we make the employee experience better, both culturally, but also how they do the work, there's a really much better chance that they're going to deliver a better customer experience as well. We spoke earlier about you know the centralizing of data, but also for our centralizing of process and, and the way they do their work into, into a single pane of glass so that we can at least take the pain that we can control out of their life so that their jobs are more enjoyable. When it comes to tracking KPIs, what are some of the key metrics that you're really using to track success of your customer experience? Getting as much of the information to our people as possible, because despite digitizing a lot of our touch points, like all organizations have done over the last 10 years, actually, we have humans who are dealing with humans at the end of the day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Experts of Experience. I'm your host, Lauren Wood, and today I'm joined by Rudy Curry, the Chief Digital Officer at Fisher & Paykel Appliances, a highly innovative global home appliance company based out of New Zealand. And if our listeners are not familiar with Fisher & Paykel, Truly, you are all in for a treat because their home appliances are absolutely to die for. When I look at them, like as the design geek I am, I completely gush over their products. So today we're going to dive into how Fisher & Paykel designs and delivers on these exceptional on appliances. So let's get into it. Rudy, thank you so much for joining Sounds us. Sounds good. No worries. Really great to be here with you. So you've been at Fisher & Paykel for over 15 years. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And can you tell us a little bit about your journey? Because I've heard and I've read that you started as a financial controller and now you're the chief digital officer. So tell us about your your journey. Yeah, I mean, um, finance, I guess I did absolutely started off in finance in Fisher and Paykel. Um, but, you know, finance was a real interest for me because I, I was surrounded by a family of entrepreneurs and just watched them really struggle understanding how business works. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to go and learn about this money thing and learn about how great companies um, man- manage uh, managed that. You know, really, really fortunate to start with F&P 15 years ago. The culture here is absolutely sensational. It's a fantastic place to work and it really encourages that entrepreneurship inside of a great company like this. And yes, while I started off at, uh, in finance, you know, 15 years ago, and actually that finance role was part of the customer service business at the time, really, really had, you know, a number of really great opportunities to try different things. You know, we're really strong around developing people. And, you know, you'll talk, if you talk to people inside of F&P, you'll hear a lot of stories about long tenure, but that long tenure comes with variety. And, and my career is no exception to that at all and, and you know, move from uh, various finance roles into uh, being able to lead customer experience uh, globally and, and lead a, a really great uh, program of work and, and transformation um, in that part of the business, as well as, you know, things like sales operations, um, marketing, you know, most recently uh, had the opportunity to, to uh, lead marketing in our organization. And of course, along the way, various different technology portfolios and, and projects um, throughout the last 15 years. That's wonderful. It sounds like you've really gotten a full lay of the land of this business. Absolutely. <laughs> and so tell me a little bit about your customer experience philosophy, because I know that customer experience is a really important component of your business. So tell me a little bit about Absolutely. your philosophy. Yeah, we're really focused on customer experience end to end from the start of the journey when you might be learning about us, researching about our product, all the way through to post-sale 
and then, you know, hopefully recommending us to your friends and friends and family. And so we have a philosophy where we focus on, you know, balancing our time and investment across all elements of the customer journey so that um, the experience is consistent for our customers. And tell me a little bit about how you actually go about doing that. That's a great question. Um, I, I think we have a really clear um, purpose and a really clear strategy of where we want to go and, and really clear goals. And that's what's guiding us um, going forward and what work we do uh, and what initiatives we do to continue to lift our experience across across our organization, um, across, across the end-to-end journey for our customer. And really what it's about is getting the sequencing right. Um, so which parts of the journey need to be uplifted more than others so that, that again, the customer's getting a balanced journey over time and not one that's weighted maybe more to the front end in marketing or maybe too much in, in, in or too little in another area like post-sales support. Um, so we're really clear on, on the fact that we want to deliver a consistent experience to our customers and we're really clear on, on, on doing that over time. And it's just about for us choosing the right initiatives to do um, over time in the right sequence. Yeah. I think it's really important what you just highlighted of having a balanced journey because it can be very tempting. I, I work on customer journeys very often in my work and we always look at the beginning, which is such a critical phase of when someone is first yeah. using your product, but having balance throughout their experience, because I can imagine, especially when it comes to home appliances, you want someone to buy again in 10 years or however long it is going to be when they actually buy their next appliance. So could you maybe share an example of something that you've implemented at a later phase in the journey? I'm just so curious to understand what you've actually done. I just actually want to touch on a really good point. You know, in in an industry like ours where you're selling durable goods, um, experience is really important because you know, you get one chance with the customer and that that chance could be lost for a decade or maybe generations with a customer and that's why consistency is so is so important now you know back to your your original question around what what's an example of what we've what we've implemented well he, here's a here's an insight um customers who might need um service for example in home service they don't like waiting around for technicians or waiting around for deliveries, for example. So that that's clear. Every every bit of feedback and survey we've had over time, that, that comes through really strongly. You know, customers' time is valuable. So, you know, we thought, well, what could we do to respect that time? And, um, you know, we, we put a number of things in, like, for example, being transparent around the actual arrival window um, at time of booking, but also on 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 day of arrival, as well as you know implementing things like Uber style track and trace when when somebody's on the way to your house, and it, and it, it's something small like that. You know, it seems table stakes today, but when we put that in place, it was really game changing, and it was only game changing because of lifting transparency to our customers and removing service anxiety, removing the anxiety of of not knowing when somebody's coming and and not knowing um, how long you need to be at home for, for example. Yeah. It's such a important point that you're making. And I think so many businesses can learn from this, that transparency piece of 
what it really comes down to, or at least my interpretation of it, is that you're respecting the customer's time, right? Like this is when you can expect to have to engage with us and otherwise go and live your life. We respect your time. We want you to be able to not be beholden to whenever we are going to be able to show up in service or deliver what it is that we've promised to. Absolutely. So you mentioned personalization, which I'm so curious to understand more about because when it comes to the product you're actually selling, you're not necessarily personalizing the stove or the the appliance that you're selling, but how do you build personalization into the experience? Well, let, let's let's use a service example around personalization because because that's one that's you know front of mind for me through this conversation so far. But you know, one of the things that um, that we've been doing is getting as much of the information to our people as possible because, despite you know, digitizing a lot of a lot of our touch points, like all organisations have done over the last ten years, actually, um, we have humans who are dealing with humans at the end of the day and. And, and actually, what I what I really like is the fact that you know we focus so hard on um, pulling together as much about the customer that the customer is willing to share, so that we can you know when we interact with them, we can we can be aware of the context and personalize at a human level rather than a machine level. Now, I'm not saying we don't use um, you know technology to personalize. Of course, you know in places like our websites, for example, of course we're we're personalizing, but. In, in the context of service, you can also personalize using technology through the people that are interacting with your with your customers, which I think is really powerful because, again, you want you want to have a, a you know a strong connection with your customers. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about how you actually do that. What tools do you use? What does that look like on the back end to make sure that the the humans who are interacting with humans have the information they need? Yeah. Well, look, in the front end of our business, we've really invested heavily with Salesforce. We've partnered with them over the last decade and and implemented um, their stack across the, the what I call the front end of our business, so our customer-facing touch points from, from sales, from B2B sales through to customer service, field service, contact center, um, things like our website with, with, with Commerce Cloud and, and, of course, in the marketing marketing space as well. That's awesome. It sounds like, I mean, so I've been a Salesforce customer in in previous roles and obviously Salesforce sponsors this podcast. So I'm becoming, I'm becoming more and more well-versed in the products that they have. And it's, I wish that I had known about all the different products when I was using Salesforce that I could help my organization adopt some more of those things that we have more integration. And I'd love to hear a bit more about your experience of using so many different Salesforce products to deliver on your customer experience and how yeah. that has benefited you. Yeah, I think, you know, when we when we first started the journey with Salesforce, you know, a decade ago, we knew that we were making a plat- platform play for the for the long term and we were really conscious that we wanted a partner that could could facilitate our growth and as we were Growing and transforming our own business, we could bring on the the tools along the way to to deliver what we were trying to achieve for our customer, and um, and there's real synergies in in platform plays because it allows you to consolidate things like your skill, the team of your skill of your team, which means then you can deliver more um, faster because you have expert knowledge around around a platform. 
And and then we were really selective around, you know, what other best of breed tools we we bring in alongside of that, you know, to to make sure that we we maximize the return on investment from that big, big platform investment that we're making. And also these it, it really helped us do things like centralize our our customer data and also keep the data safe. That's another really important point. Keep it private and, and safe. Um, and and then you know, working with SaaS partners is is has been really great because they're innovating, they're investing in their in their products much faster than we could custom develop them, and it means that you know we can take that innovation as we need it over time, and it frees up our business to invest on actually what we we need to do, which is build great products, deliver great experiences, um, and 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 things like that. So. You know, that, that's been, I think, transformational for us having a really great partner and having a really great platform to, to, to launch off. Mm-hmm. Completely. That total integration, it sounds like, is, is extremely beneficial. And also when it comes to the customer data, as you mentioned, because I think that's something that is, it can really add so much to a customer experience when you have, when everybody is able to access the information that they need in order to deliver yeah. on the vision. Yeah. Do you have some examples no, maybe of, of how you've done that? Yeah, I mean, examples, uh, look, we've just been re- relentless around, well, the CRM is the source of truth for our customer. And and we've done that together as an organization, not just me. We've, we've gone, we've made this investment in CRM. Now we have to bring it to life. And to bring it to life, we have to be disciplined and not um, and not let the customer data go anywhere else. And and uh, actually, that's been a really good principle for us to have. And because we've done that, we've been able to do. And this is the interesting thing: it's all the accumulation of all the little things over time that you do that you don't realize that add up to a great experience for a customer. It's that notification for this. It's the transparency on that. It's the giving your agents access to um, what they need to see. And it's all of those things in aggregate that is valuable rather than a a single thing. But it's been our discipline. um, And and I have, you know, my team and and the the support of the organization to thank that we've been really relentless in, in, in that focus. And it's paying back now. It's paying back now. We're not, um, you know, in the process of having to centralize databases like a lot of other organizations are, you know, and they're putting things like CDPs in to, to try and solve that problem. We are in an AI revolution and Salesforce is helping customers navigate each new wave of AI. To learn more about the expert guidance and resources they have available, visit sfdc.co slash Salesforce customer success. I always use this analogy of it's like trust, which I, is what I think I hear you're saying is building trust with the customer and also maybe building trust with the employee of those little things of making sure that there's information that the employee has so that they can do their job correctly. And then on yeah. the customer side, they're receiving that information and they're like, oh, wow, they really get me. I trust them more. And I always use yeah. this analogy of the piggy bank that you're putting coins in in all of those interactions when you're showing up in a way that's really supportive of the person, whether they're internal or external. 
So I, I really love what you're, what you're sharing there. Yeah. Aligns with oh, my tr- beliefs tr- completely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> tr- trust is, trust is everything in business. I, I, yeah. I agree with you. You know, trust with your customer, trust with your employees, tr- you know, trusting your partners to help you deliver. Um, yep. that, that's why, that's why making sure all of those things are, are right is, is so important. And on that point, I saw on your website that your brand vision is to be the most human-centered appliance brand in the world. I'd love to understand, I mean, you've, you've shared a lot in terms of how that comes to life, but what else is there that you haven't shared around really bringing that vision to life? Yeah, look, at the core of what that means is we really put the user at the center of everything. And look, if we, if we, if we think about our product, you know, it's really about understanding how our end users live the, that live their life around our product and how does it fit into their life? How does it improve their outcomes? You know, for example, you know, acknowledging that, um, during the week, life is really fast paced and you need your appliances to, to help you get through the week you know, that midweek convenience. And then on the weekend, you need to transform the kitchen. It's the heart of the home. It's where you're entertaining. It's where you're bringing family and friends together. And, and you know, I hear a lot in our organisations about people putting themselves in the shoes of the, of the end user, of the customer all the time. They're, putting, they're always transporting their, themselves into, into our customer's shoes and just thinking about... Um, you know, what it's like to be one of our own customers. Um, and, and yeah. you know, that, that is a philosophy that, that not only is in product, but, but I see it everywhere in our business. That's really awesome. Mm-hmm. Do you have any company practices around putting yourself in the customer's shoes? Like, how do you actually do that? Uh, look, I think it's just ingrained in our culture and it's, it's, it, there's no specific practice other than um, we we speak about it a lot, and and it's really deeply ingrained in in who we are and what we do. Mm-hmm. And I guess no no, no strange. Like I've seen I've seen companies like Amazon, for example, where they leave the empty empty chair um, to represent the customer. Nothing nothing exciting like that. <laughs> but I will say, you know, in the type of product that you're selling, everybody uses a stove, right? Probably. Okay, there's some yeah. who, some people may not be cooks, but. You know, the these home appliances are things that all of your employees, I imagine, do use at some point in their day so and, they can put and, themselves and in. And we their do shoes. it together. And we do it together mm. in our offices. You know, if you if you come to any of our most of our offices around the world, you will see a central kitchen where where people come together and they they share moments together around our mm-hmm. product, but together as, as people. So, you know, ma- ma- maybe that is a practice, but again, it's just uh, just part of who we are and what we do. Yeah, completely. And what about, you know, as you're understanding your customer, how do you bring that into the innovation process? You've developed absolutely stunning products that are top of the line. How do you consistently you know, take customer insights and then apply them into the actual products that you're building. You know, we we collect so many sources of feedback and information from our customers, and some of them are, and you know, non-structured, where we where you know we're doing focus groups and workshops with customers and understanding, um, you know, how how they use products, but also through all of, through all of our touch points with the consumer we get so much um, feedback and data and we also of course get product usage data which influences you know how we design and build products in the future 
but you know we you know from things like you know feedback from a customer review or um, feedback from a from a service experience or from an MPS survey um, or a review on our website. You know there there is so many touch points that we're that we're collecting collecting that those insights and and using that to influence how how and what we do. Mm-hmm. How are you processing that data? Because it sounds like you've you've got a lot of feedback, which is awesome. But then, how do you actually make use of it? Yeah, Ken, I think it's the, the way we we use it is it's it's embedded in in our in our processes. Now, let me let me use a service a service example. Actually, you know, our service team who are designing you know service experiences uh, have multiple touch points with the customers from SMS surveys through to an MPS survey. Uh, through to to product reviews, and you know they they've got uh, dashboards and some um, you know great tools to give them that insight in a more distilled way, so they can use that to decide where they need to focus on where to improve their their experience with the customer or their journey with the customer, and that's that's you know for them that is a weekly daily weekly monthly ritual for them where they're scouring through that rich feedback through the, the tools and dashboards that we built for them. Uh, there's, there is a little bit of machine learning uh, juice in there to, to help them along, but, you know, trying to, to get those insights and, and then they're using that to really connect with their customers and then change what they're doing. And that's really the power of gathering feedback, right? You need to yeah. understand what it is that is paining or what are the pain points of your customer and then have a relentless focus on fixing it. Um, Absolutely. so congratulations. That's an awesome, awesome improvement. Um, yeah, Mark and the team have done a fantastic job. I have to give him a shout out. He's he, you yeah. know, him and the team are doing great work. I mean, customer service is probably, yeah, I'm, I'm biased because, you know, I've spent a lot of time in that part of the business, but it's, it's, it's really difficult. And, um, and, and, you know, they are often, um, you know, the window into a lot of organizations and they deserve more credit, I think, than what, what they get from, from everywhere. For sure. It is something that is so common in businesses where the customer service team is not necessarily the, they're not like the sales team that's bringing in the revenue and no, no, no. But the customer service team is really the team that is keeping the relationship with the customer alive. And I totally agree with you. And I say this to every single person who's listening. If you have a customer service team, which I'm sure you do, and I give them credit for the work that they are doing and the relationship that they're building with your customer. They are Absolutely. critical. They're critical to that company and customer connection. And I think it's it's all too often that we don't give them enough credit for the work that they're doing. So I'm really glad to hear you you calling out the team. I agree with you 100%. <laughs> so when it comes to team culture, like you just said, this team, especially the the team that is servicing the customer post sale, they deal with a lot of tricky things. Oh, look, I, I I think um, there's there's a lot of different things that we do to to support that. You know, you know, in my time when I was in service, giving giving the frontline autonomy to be able to serve the customer is really important, and trying to remove as many as many kind of. Uh, Checkpoints is not the the right term there, but you know, giving them the as much you know as much decision decisioning power as practical is really important because then it, you can get one and done. 
Um, and I think that's important in service in general is empowerment of the service team to, to be able to do that. Now, I know, I know that's hard in, in, you know, industries with high regulation, but you've just got to do your best to, to put the, the, you know, the tools and the information in the agent's hand or the, 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 the people at the front line's hand so that they can try and, you know, resolve things first time. And yeah. I, I think that's an important part of culture. The, the, the other part, the really important part is you know, having a really clear vision and a really clear purpose of why we exist. That's very important. You know, why, why are we here? What are, why are we doing what we do? Why is that important? And, you know, making sure that everybody understands that. And then, of course, you really need to understand whether that's resonating or not. You know, do, do, your, do all the people in your organisation connect with that? Um, and, and because if they connect with it, they live it out. Um, and, and, and so making sure that you understand whether, whether people have connected with that. And then, look, the other thing that, you know, considering I think a lot of the people that might listen to this are interested in technology I also really believe that, you know, if we if we make the employee experience better, both culturally but also how they do the work, they, there's a really much better chance that they're going to deliver a better customer experience as well. Um, and a, a lot of, uh, you know, we spoke earlier about, you know, the centralising of data but also for us centralising of process and, and the way they do their work into, into a single pane of glass so that we can at least, you know, take the pain that we're in, you know, that, that we can control out of their life so that, that their jobs are more enjoyable and they they can focus more on supporting the customer rather than navigating 14 different service screens, for example, or system screens. Uh, and then, you know, they, their specialities around navigating these tools rather than 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 doing doing the important work for the customer. Yep. Come Completely, completely. It is so, so important. We cannot create a seamless customer experience without doing the same for our team. It is, it is paramount. And I hear that so much on this podcast. It's one of the things that has been the most pleasant surprise in interviewing leaders like yourself, where this comes up time and time again. And I really just want to underscore the importance of focusing on your team as you're also thinking about your customer, because you can't just have a great customer experience yeah. without having a great employee experience. Yeah. Look, just an old, you know, an old or, or a methodology that's been around for a long time around, you know, yeah. people, process and, and, and technology, you know, you can use that in customer service transformation. And I often see service leaders when I, when I'm out, you know, talking to my peers and, and that's really focusing too much on the technology uh, actually, you know, where the rubber hits the ground is people and and process. You know, and I, I use the term process. When I mean process, I mean service design, service experience in the context of customer service. There's so much value to be to be gotten out of um, empowering your team, leading your team well, and then having a great, um, you know, well designed service experience. I mean, you can get. 70, 80% of the way there. Where the technology can really help you is make it scale and streamlined and fast and provide self-service for your customer. But it's not the only tool that a service, leader's lever, a service leader has in its toolkit. And I think it's yeah. really important to, to remember that. As much as I'm an advocate for automation and technology, actually there's so much value to be extracted out of really, really um, great leadership and leading people well as well as great service design and understanding your customer and what they need from you and making sure that you're you're building how you operate around your customer, not around your own internal processes. Yes. So, so true. And 
I actually want to come back to something that you had spoken to earlier, which is about employee empowerment. And when it comes to people and process, that's where it really matters because you can have perfect automation and an amazing tool and suite of tools that enable your team to do things well and quickly and scalable. But if they have to go through, for example, five layers of approvals in order to give the customer a refund on something, it's still going to slow them down. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about your philosophy on employee empowerment and how that actually takes shape at Fisher and Paykel. Yeah. Look, I, I, look I, I just want to be clear, we don't have it right every single time and, and that will happen. Uh, you know, it just happens organically and, and yep. um, sometimes by accident as you're, you're moving really quickly in a business. But, you know, one of the, the things that our team focuses on is you know, you've got operational metrics that usually give you a sign as to whether you've got this right or wrong. So, for example, if you're moving chats and calls between internal departments, that's usually a sign that you've got some of this happening in in your contact center or in your service in your service center, and I know our team focuses greatly on making sure that the handoffs between our teams is minimized and reduced. So they're always listening and looking out for those things and making sure that they're they're where it's appropriate to to put the power back in the in the person who's looking after the customer's hands. Now you can't do that all the time, as you know, and. And I know, you know, when I talk to people from other industries like the banking industries where you have to have things like segregations of segregation of duties, it's in, you know, it is more difficult. And I acknowledge that. Um, but it's about minimizing it. And then when it happens, about making sure that um, you make it as least impactful on the customer as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. Always thinking about how, what is the impact on the customer. I think it's yeah. kind of going back to the technology that, you just referenced, it can be really tempting for us to think about, well, what's the fastest, easiest, scalable, most scalable way for us to do it. And we're not thinking about the cost to the customer per se, right? Like it it may be better to have those, that segregation of duties and, and many different experts who deal with like one specific thing. But if the customer has to then speak to five different people and tell them their story over and over again, they're probably going to be really upset with you. So let's try to avoid that. What about when it comes to tracking their KPIs? What are some of the key metrics that you're really using to track success of your customer experience? There, there's layers, there's layers of KPIs and metrics that that I believe that you should look at. And of course, you want to start off with the voice of the customer. And you know, things like MPS are, are really critical just to see whether your overall proposition is is coming to life. And, you know, MPS is all-encompassing. It's not just your service experience. It's also your product experience and, and your, your end-to-end brand experience. But that's a really important touch point with your, with your customer. And then, then you've got, you know, other touch points where you can see, seek feedback along the way, things like um, customer satisfaction or effort metrics, which we, we absolutely use just to see, you know, are you making it as easy as possible for the customer when you're, when you're interacting with them? And then when you come down below that, you've also got, like I mentioned before, operational, operational metrics, which are really important just to give you a bit of a lead, a little bit of a lead and lag indicator of whether you're on the right track or not. So, 
Yeah, so those operational metrics, like are you transferring calls, are you getting to, to, to interactions fast enough, track, um, and, and those type of things are really also, also important just to see how you're going in the moment, um, but then they shouldn't be relied on exclusively. You've got to use them with your, with your customer insights as well. And then, you know, we, a lot of companies invested a lot of time in self-service and actually measuring whether those things work is really important too and whether you're getting deflection rate. There is an overwhelming amount of opportunity in the AI space and it's super exciting, but also how do we actually, you know, find what works for our business and implement yeah. the right thing? It's a There's it's a lot a of challenges. Challenge. There's a lot of challenges, yeah. Lauren, around you know, building in the right guardrails, protecting your data, protecting your customer data. We spoke about trust before. You know, I, you know, we focus highly on protecting our customer data, and I'm 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 going to be very careful around how we bring generative AI into our organisation to continue to protect our customers' information. So there's some challenges there for for enterprises that we have to, you know, that we have to think about, but. We can overcome those. They're, they're exciting challenges and I think the opportunities are plentiful. Yeah. And it's we have to be thinking about what are our values as we're implementing this technology? What are the yeah. things, like you said, in your case, you know, that like having that trust, having that privacy is really important to you. You've mentioned it multiple times. It's very clear. It's something that you're thinking about often. And I think that's something that's really important for any company that's starting to implement AI what are the values of the company that we really need to uphold yeah. as we implement this technology? Because it's it's different than what we've done before and it is a bit of a snowball. My last question here is, what is one piece of advice that every customer experience leader should hear? I, I think I, I, I touched on it a little bit before, which is don't obsess about technology. And what I mean by that is don't let that be the only tool in your toolkit because there's so much value in, in fantastic leadership, a really clear vision of what you want to achieve and great service design to so understanding your customers, um, how they interact with you, what they need from you, what are the jobs that need to be done, because there's so much value in extract, to be extracted in those areas. And then un, you know, doing a really good job in those areas means that when you apply the technology, you do it in a way that's aligned to your, to your people strategy uh, how you want to work, as well as how your customers um, interact with you as well. And like I said before, I, I, I see people just go, I need this tool to solve my customer experience problem, or my service problem, or, my, you know, my digital touch point. But actually uh, understanding the, the, the customer is really, really critical. I could not agree more. Well, Rudy, thank you so much for sharing your wealth of knowledge. Really appreciate you coming on the show. And for those of you listening, if you enjoyed this episode, please follow us on wherever you listen to your podcasts and leave us a review. We would love to hear how you've been enjoying the episodes. So thank you, Rudy, again, and I'm sure we'll speak to you soon. Awesome. Thank As you've probably heard, Many of the guests on Experts of Experience talk about using Salesforce to build great customer experiences. Are you using Salesforce? If not, take a look at the world's number one AI CRM and how it can help you build stronger customer relationships by visiting sfdc.co slash Salesforce customer success. Thank you.